Welcome back to this uh, series that we are calling Above and Beyond, uh, where we're learning to apply a life-changing concept uh, that comes from God uh, through the Apostle Paul. It is that a personal relationship with God above empowers me to live a life beyond what threatens me, what threatens to keep me down. Uh, so far in this series, we have studied Paul's words to the church in Colossae, ancient uh, uh, church in Colossae, and then also uh, last week, we studied Paul's words to the ancient church in Philippi. And once again, we turn to the words of uh, the apostle Paul, but this time it's not a letter to a church, but letter to an individual, a person named Timothy. And the backstory of the relationship between Paul and Timothy is uh, scattered throughout the Bible book of Acts, and then also through Paul's letters to various churches where he mentions Timothy, and then also to these two letters in our uh, Bible uh, where Paul writes to Timothy. Uh, the story begins with Paul uh, and how he is transformed when he meets Jesus uh, from a person who is violently persecuting Christ followers into a man who is boldly proclaiming uh, how there is the joy of a relationship with God through a relationship with Jesus and faith in Jesus. And Paul went all over the known world with this message, including uh, to a town called Lystra, uh, which is in modern-day Turkey, where uh, some people believed Paul's message and dedicated themselves to Jesus, including a young man named Timothy. Uh, Timothy was half Jewish through his mom and half Greek through his dad. And that made Timothy uh, a, a victim of discrimination and uh, and worse, because in those days, your social status was related to your parentage. And uh, in those days, uh, Jews despised a person with Gentile blood, and Greeks despised a person with Jewish blood. And so that meant Timothy did not fit into either social group. And because he didn't fit in anywhere, Timothy grew up alone and disconnected. And Timothy's loneliness was probably compounded by the loss of his father. Uh, biblical scholars believe that uh, likely uh, Timothy's father was deceased at an early uh, age in his life. Uh, they gather this idea because it, it's implied that Timothy lives alone with his mother and grandmother. And then also through this interesting fact of how uh, Paul essentially adopts Timothy. And uh, throughout the letters of Paul, Paul continually refers to Timothy in these very endearing terms of, you are my child, you are my son. Over and over again, uh, Paul refers to himself as Timothy's father. And uh, scholars believe that, Tim that Paul wouldn't be using that kind of language if Timothy's father uh, were alive. Uh, anyway, scholars believe that this father-son relationship uh, between Paul and Timothy began when Timothy was in his late teens uh, and then went to a whole nother level when uh, after about 20 years of age, uh, Timothy left his mom and grandma and went to travel with Paul throughout his missionary journeys. And what 
adventures. Uh, Timothy got to watch Paul in action. Uh, Timothy got to see Paul preach and teach and do miracles of love in Jesus' name. But then Timothy also saw the other side, which was he saw uh, his father figure being violently uh, beaten up by rioting mobs and tortured uh, and left for dead and repeatedly thrown into prison for months at a time. Uh, Timothy learned so much just by watching his father in the faith, such that eventually Paul chose Timothy to become the pastor of a church in Ephesus, uh, near where Timothy grew up. And interestingly, a church that ended up being probably one of the most important churches in uh, that early uh, expression of uh, Christianity. And uh, Timothy and his pastoral role becomes the occasion for these letters that Paul writes to Timothy to encourage this young church leader who he loves like a son. What else do we learn from these letters about Timothy? Well, we learn that uh, Timothy, uh, Pastor Timothy, is uh, beaten down by criticism uh, within the church and also by persecution and pressure from outside the church. And then all of this overwhelming responsibility in the midst of the fact that Timothy struggled with physical weakness. Several times in these letters, Paul refers to Timothy's serious nervous stomach and uh, his tendency to fall sick. And now with this backstory in mind, listen to what Paul writes to young pastor Timothy in his second letter to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. To Timothy, my dear son, recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am confident now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us is not a spirit of timidity, but of power, of love, and of self-control. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord Jesus or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. God has a message for me through these words of Paul to Timothy. And the message is that a personal relationship with God above empowers me with a boldness that takes me beyond the timidity that keeps me down. Paul's words imply that Timothy, to some degree, struggled with feelings of fear and insecurity. And no wonder Timothy was a young man uh, who grew up under the uncertainty of, of not having a father, who grew up without friends in the cracks between social groups, who watched uh, his life being diminished by discrimination, who saw his father figure repeatedly victimized by violence, who struggled with feelings of inadequacy in a very stressful job and position, and then wages a constant battle with anxiety expressed in physical weakness and sickness. Timothy had reasons to feel insecure, just like I do. Timothy had reasons for feeling inadequate, just like I do. And the fact that Timothy was timid is good news to me because it means 
because I struggle with fear and anxiety. If I follow Jesus like Timothy did, then I have access to the same indwelling spirit of boldness that Timothy did. God's message to me is the same as to Timothy, which is that I must decide to stand and live without a, a, a buried experience in timidity and live above and beyond it. I must refuse the spirit which leads me to timidity and choose God's spirit who leads me to power, love, and self-control. And there's an important truth here, which is that I get to choose. I can choose to go above and beyond timidity. Look at what Paul says. I remind you to choose. I remind you to choose to fan the flame the gift of God. See, I get to choose how brightly I burn with God's spirit of boldness. And I guess you could say that each one of us followers of Jesus, we burn about as brightly with God's boldness as we want to because it is a choice. Paul knew that Timothy had some tough breaks in his background. Paul knew also that in Christ, Timothy could choose to go above and beyond that background. The same goes for you and your struggles with insecurity. If you are a Christ follower and you're under fear or buried under anxiety, God says, what are you doing under there? Why are you living under fear when you can choose to just fan the flame of freedom that comes from my spirit? So just in case you want to live less in timidity and more in the boldness of God's spirit of power, love, and self-control, let me suggest some ways to fan the flame of fearlessness in your life. So first, what does it mean to choose to live with God's spirit of power? Well, we know what Paul meant by God's spirit of power because he mentions it right here in this passage we're studying. Uh, Paul tells Timothy, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord Jesus or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So Paul defines the power of God's spirit as courage in the face of suffering. And suffering is something that Paul knew something about. Uh, keep in mind that uh, Paul is writing Timothy uh, from jail after being tortured and beaten by people who think this kind of mistreatment is going to shut him up and make Paul stop doing miracles in Jesus' name. But Paul would not be intimidated. No matter how much he suffered, Paul would not shut up or shut down when it came to Jesus. And just like Paul, God is calling me to refuse the spirit of timidity so I can choose God's spirit of power over intimidation. The big question I need to ask myself is, how much am I motivated by God's spirit of power in my life? And how much am I just living a life conformed by the crushing effect of people pressure. I mean, how much 
How many positive things does God call out of me that never see the light of day because I allow them to get crushed by my fears of intimidation and negative people pressure? Let's face it, as a Christ follower, I swim in a Christ-denying culture, and I am forced to choose whether I will be shut up and shut down in timidity or whether I will speak up and reach out in God's spirit of power. Now, I'm blessed. I'm blessed with a younger brother who is not only uh, my friend, but also a, a fellow brother in Christ. And I was having lunch with uh, Bob uh, recently, and I noticed he was wearing one of those rubber wristbands. It was black and had a red symbol on it with the words I-M-N, letter N. And Bob told me that this uh, red symbol was the Arabic uh, letter for N, which ISIS-style extremists spray paint on the doors and outside the homes of Christ followers who live in Islamic parts of the world. And this Arabic letter noon uh, is the first letter of a derogatory term uh, that they use for Christians, Nazarene, uh, which of course refers to Jesus and those who follow him. And when this symbol is painted on a property, it puts a target on the believers who live that, live in that house. It's an identifier that identifies those occupants as open season for intimidation, uh, marking them for pressure, for persecution, for suffering, for torture, and even death. And there is no blame or shame that goes on any of those Christ followers who choose to flee homes with that sign to protect their families. But there are others who choose to boldly live under that sign and boldly walk out of doors with that sign. And they fearlessly declare, I am N. And they refuse to shut up or to shut down, but boldly keep reaching out with the love and compassion and gentleness of Jesus. And my brother says he wears this wristband to remind him to pray for those who live under that symbol and to remind him to fan to flame God's spirit of power over intimidation on the inside and on the outside. How about you? Do you choose to live under that symbol of Jesus? Will you come out of the spray-painted door and live boldly for Jesus? Or will you conform to people pressure? You must choose. And this is not academic to Jesus. That is why he asks every one of his followers to declare where they stand, who they are through the act of baptism. And if you are a follower of Jesus and you have never as a believer been publicly baptized, the least you can do to say that I am N is to be baptized here at BlackRock on November 19th. Make sure you leave this room and you sign up for baptism or one of those classes, uh, October 29th or November 5th. It's the least you can do to show that you have made a choice. You must choose whether you will be shut up and shut down in, in timidity or whether you will speak up and reach out 
in God's spirit of power despite the forces of intimidation around you. For me, life is too short to live in constant fear. I am N. And I choose to fan the flame of God's spirit of power. And God is calling you to do the same. Next, God calls me to refuse the spirit of timidity so I can choose God's spirit of love over my insecurity. When God calls me to live boldly, he's calling me to choose to go beyond my natural feelings of insecurity and to actually, through the spirit indwelling me, God's spirit indwelling me, to actually choose to go beyond those feelings of insecurity and reach out in his love. Paul modeled this for Timothy. Uh, Timothy was very likely with Paul in the storm recorded in Acts chapter 27 and 28, which describes how Paul was this prisoner on a large prison boat uh, that was carrying inmates to Rome. And uh, this boat gets into this massive storm that not only has the prisoners frightened, not only has the prison guards and the Roman general on board frightened, but has the seasoned sailors terrified. Everybody is melted with panic except for one man. Paul stands in the middle of the boat and in the midst of this raging hurricane, he is calm and confident. And in this storm, there were seven, uh, 275 people on the boat. And the scripture says that in the storm, no one turned to the boat captain for help. No one turned to the Roman general for comfort. Everyone turned in awe to follow this fearless man named Paul. And in God's spirit of love, Paul boldly prayed for every man on that boat. Paul, Paul boldly encouraged them. Paul boldly assured them that they were not in, abandoned, but that God was with them in the storm and not one of them would, would pass away. In fact, the, true to God's word, no one on that boat lost their life. If Paul had been cowering in the bottom of the boat, focused on his feelings of insecurity, he would have missed this opportunity to reach out with God's love. And just like Paul, you can go above and beyond when you choose to fan the flame of God's spirit of love over your natural feelings of insecurity. In the storm of layoffs at work, you can be the one who stands up in the boat and gives comfort. In this world where everyone seems to be drowning in negativity and despair, you can be the one who boldly prays over them a spirit, a positive spirit of, of encouragement. You can be the one who boldly assures people that they are not abandoned by God. You can assure them with God's presence when you choose to fan the flame of God's spirit of love over your insecurity. In Jesus, you have received not a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And uh, you may think, well, it's a connection. It can't be a connection between self-control and boldness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There is. Uh, self-control, 
defeats my worst fear enemy, which is worry. I choose, I can choose God's spirit of self-control over my daily worries. I will never win over a spirit of timidity unless I learn to win over daily, everyday worries. And God's spirit indwells me to give me the ability to control my reaction to my specific worry triggers that lead me into a life of timidity. Everybody has specific worry triggers. You know, I was having uh, dinner with a friend uh, the other night, and we got talking about our worries. And it became clear to us as we talked that we have worries that are totally different from each other. Uh, My friend has worries that I never worry about. And it goes the other way around. My friend has a high-paying, very stable job, and yet he tells me he worries about finances all the time. I never worry about finances because I'm too busy worrying about my health. Now, my my health is fine, just like his finances are more than fine. Uh, My health is just my worry trigger. Quick story. Uh, One day, uh, a while ago, I was enjoying a a dollop of uh, cottage cheese. And uh, as I, uh, my wife is, she's very good at always checking the expiration dates of uh, refrigerated foods. And uh, as I'm finishing this last bit of uh, cottage cheese, uh, Jen looks at the expiration date on the cottage cheese tub and she says, oh boy, this cottage cheese is uh, expired. Uh, This cottage cheese is from the Reagan administration. And... uh, (laughs) As soon as she said that, I could feel myself getting sick. You know, my, I felt faint. My eyes, I, could, I was like blurry. I find it hard to breathe. And then Jen said, oh, never mind. This kind of cheese is fine. I was looking at the serial number, and now I'm fine, right? Which just goes to prove that my health is my worry trigger, and so much of my sickness is a lot is my worry and my fears. I'm kind of a hypochondriac. You know, I read about a disease. I'm 90% sure I have it. And uh, my worry trigger, my health. Your worry trigger, what is it? What is it? It, it, Maybe it's the finances. Maybe it's the kids. Maybe it's uh, social interactions. Maybe it's your career. Whatever it is, get serious with God's help about disarming your worry trigger by fanning the flame of God's self-control. I must refuse the spirit of timidity and choose to fan the flame of God's spirit of power, of love, and self-control. How do I do that? How do I fan the flame? Well, one thing I can do is pray, because, you know, before I can go beyond, I first, I have to go above. But you know what? This, uh, these words we're studying from Paul reveal something that can be even more life-changing than me praying for me. And that is me letting someone else pray over me. You see those words of Paul to Timothy? I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Now, this little phrase, laying on of my hands, is shorthand for something that 
we practice every day of the week here around Black Rock, which is just one believer putting a hand on the shoulder of another believer and asking God to bestow the gift of power and love and self-control through his Holy Spirit. For some reason, God chooses to, to work even more when I let someone pray over me than when I pray for me. God arranges things so that his boldest blessings come to me through my brothers and sisters. This is why we end each one of our worship services by inviting you to come up here in the front to pray with some men and women of our prayer team, except for today, not today, because we're inviting you to go to the prayer room. That's the other major resource that's available to you every Sunday, the prayer room where you can go today. Uh, it's the open house and you can go and just uh, meet the prayer team, uh, receive from them a, a little gift of encouragement and also maybe ask them to pray for you. So when you leave this room, head out to the uh, prayer room, open house, uh, make sure uh, you uh, uh, say hello to, uh, to the prayer team and maybe let them lay a hand on you to pray for you. If not this week, any other week, drop by the prayer room. And this is one way that you can fan the flame of God's boldness and go beyond. This is part of what it means to fan the flame. In some ways, all of us burn about as brightly with the spirit of God's boldness as we want to. I can choose to refuse the spirit of timidity, and I can choose God's spirit of power and love and self-control. And when I do, God rewards my boldness by giving me a life story that goes above and beyond. At least this is what Brad Nagy has found, and here's his story. So Little Box Pizza is a new business concept that we created with a social mission. The idea was to use food trucks to create great pizza using honest ingredients, and customers could order online, pick up or get delivery. But the really unique thing about Little Box Pizza was the social mission. The idea was to create small business opportunities for people that needed them and allow them to earn a living operating a Little Box Pizza. I always believed in Jesus my whole life, but I never really followed Jesus. And when you start following Jesus more, you realize that uh, we have an opportunity and a purpose. You're here to live a purpose-filled life. And one of those purposes is to serve other people. And you have this incredible opportunity to sort of raise your hand and say, okay, God, what can I bring to the table? How do you want to use me? So at that point in my life, I had a, a really good corporate job. I had some restaurant businesses I built on the side with a partner of mine. And I was doing great and kind of coast along, but I was really looking for something more meaningful. So I was praying, I said, give me something more meaningful to do. And one night I was at an airport really late at night and um, it sort of unfolded for me what I needed to do. And I needed to create this business, uh, a franchise pizza business, where instead of selling them, we'd actually give them away to people that needed an opportunity. What I learned quickly is that Thinking bold and being bold are two very different things. And you really had to take steps of faith to move things forward. The biggest one for me was probably, my plate was just too full to get to this thing. And I really needed to, I knew I needed to quit my corporate job, which provided income, security. And eventually I remember praying one night and said, you know, do I cut the cord? What do you, what do you want me to do? And I remember very explicitly hearing when I was sleeping, I, it was clear as day, let go. And 
I remember getting up and thinking, the one time I hear you verbally, you're telling me to quit my job? Like, seriously? Uh, but I did it, and that was a necessary step to kind of follow this path and take step by step out in faith. While we were doing all this planning for Little Box, uh, I had the opportunity to go to Rwanda on a missions trip, and it was just incredible experience to go there, and that was a real step in faith in itself. And I was able to see things like savings groups and, and how they were empowering people in Rwanda to incredible results. And it sort of reinforced for me this idea of using small business to empower people here to propel them forward. And while I was on the trip, I was talking with one of the guys. I said, I really need to find the right guy to help pioneer the first unit of this little box idea. And he said, oh, you gotta meet James. He's working at BlackRock and he's the perfect guy. He's your guy. And sure enough, he was. And it's just so ironic that the Lord sent me to Africa to find a guy when I could have just went to BlackRock. But that's how we found James. And he's just been an incredible partner to help pioneer this thing with. One of the challenges we had were barriers was getting the funding to put this in place now that we had James, we had the concept. And I remember having to convince one of my partners of this whole little box concept and what we were doing. I mean, this is out in left field. No one's done anything like this. And we had a meeting and I sat down with him and explained the whole concept and explained James and his background. And I'll never forget, his comment was something like, have you lost your mind? Do you want to put up hundreds of thousands of dollars, give this high-end truck to this guy with a background that he has of gangs and criminal past and drug addiction and, and put him in business? I'll tell you, his, his uh, language is quite colorful in that conversation. And right there, I sort of knew we were onto something. And it kind of showed me that when you're taking bold steps and putting yourself out there, you have to have the confidence. You're going to get that resistance, but you sort of have to have that confidence to say, hey, this is not my plan and we'll push through and it'll work. And sure enough, it did. And we got everybody to buy in and that's how we got it off the ground. So we got Little Box moving and rolling forward, which is super exciting. And James is doing awesome and things are just sort of coming together. and. We still have our challenges, but we could just, as, you, as I look back on the whole process, it was, it was a bold endeavor and is a bold endeavor, but I watched God lay the tracks. And every time we had a challenge, there was a solution eventually there. And, and it's just a process of learning to trust God, step out in faith, and things will sort of gel together. For me, one of my biggest fears would be getting to heaven and having God show me all the things I could have done in my life and been part of if I had been more bold and done it faster and quicker. And that's a real driving force for me to say, let me have more confidence and step out there more because God's got my back and I don't want to miss out on all that. So we're so excited about seeing where this thing will go in the future and what it means to guys like James and, and all of us as we sort of use our skills and talents to serve other people, and that's something really special. Oh, yeah. I love what uh, Brad says there, that uh, he does not want to stand before Jesus and, uh, and with regret see the, the big blessings that God uh, had on the table for him that he left on the table because of a spirit of timidity. You don't want to live with regrets either. Life is too short to live in a spirit of timidity. So uh, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. If this is your uh, decision to stand uh, with boldness for Jesus and to, uh, to live in his kind of blessing, I'm going to ask you to stand so we can sing an anthem of boldness together. Would you please stand? 
Let's sing this anthem of boldness because we all come into this world powerless and poor, but through the spirit of Jesus, he gives us uh, the spirit of power and love and self-control. Let's shout it out. Let's scream it out and go to the mountains with it. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.